0: Are you ready for God's word? Are you? I want to start off with a, uh, just kind of reminding you of where we've been. We've been talking about prophecy end time prophecy specifically, because I believe end time prophecy points, points you really, really directly to the fact that Jesus is coming back soon. And when you start considering that Jesus is coming back soon, it will change something inside of you. Doesn't it? Doesn't it inspire you? And so, uh, I wanna tell you a little story or, or something that that, that uh, I read and I did some research on and found it very, very interesting. But there is a hill east of Jerusalem, a hill east of Jerusalem, not very far. There, uh, I could give you uh, its location, but you, you probably wouldn't be familiar. Um, however, it was the place where Solomon chose to put Uh, altars and shrines to to the foreign gods of the women that he married. Now, I I don't know if you, you know this, but Solomon had a thousand wives slash women, a thousand. Guys, that's not a good thing. I'm just, some of you are like, wow, that's impressive. No, that's not. That's a very bad thing. Can I tell you, I can barely handle the one God gave me, amen, let let alone a thousand, you know, no, I mean, I'm serious, Lord, you gave me one good woman and, and, you know, I just try to keep up with her, amen. How many of you guys would say the same? You know, I'm just, hey, but he had a thousand women that he was responsible for and given his heart to, and, and he, and he. He erected altars and shrines for their foreign gods there on that hill. Now, some almost a thousand years later, on that same hill, a certain man built his house. And uh, that was Caiaphas, the high priest of the Sanhedrin, or he was the, the head of the Sanhedrin. He was from the Sadducees, and he, was, he happened to be in charge during the time of Jesus. It was on that same hill that Judas went and encountered Caiaphas to betray his Messiah our lord wow that hill is called the hill of evil counsel the hill of evil counsel it's been known as that uh by 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 the Hebrew nation or by the Jewish people for quite some time. Guess what's built on that hill today? The United Nations building. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. If you think that, that things don't happen for a reason and that we don't live in a spiritual world, then you've got something coming. Because we live in a very spiritual world. And I want to remind you of something. You are a spiritual being. And God is the ultimate spiritual being. He is the the creator and ruler of all. Like him, there is no other. And so he created us to be spiritual. And he wrote us a spiritual manual. And this is his holy scriptures. And the Bible says that no one who penned part of this book did it of their own fleshly desires of their own thoughts but instead the apostle Peter tells us that they were men what influenced and carried along and completely moved by the spirit of God to write down what he needed them to write we already know he didn't have to use us but he chooses to involve us amen Truth is, he wrote down the Ten Commandments himself as he scrolled on the tablets. But for the Bible, he says, I want you to be personally and intimately involved in the love story that I'm about to share with you. And so men wrote this book. I say humans wrote this book, but it's a supernatural book because the supernatural author, the man, was just the pen. Does that make sense? was just the instrument, that God used to write it. And so this is a supernatural book. And so I want you to I want to highlight that for you because sometimes as you're walking through the earth and, and walking through your life and walking through your day-to-day, you can forget that. Because so many people think that we're physical beings encountering glimpses of a spiritual reality or spiritual spiritual world. But I love the way Robert Morris puts it. Pastor Morris from uh, Gateway Church, uh, one of my favorite pastors, he says this. He says, we're actually spiritual beings existing temporarily in a physical world. Isn't that true? So we have to flip it because we tend to think that the physical is everything. But in fact, if you think about your spiritual life and how you will live for eternity, either with God or away from God, the choice is yours. The choice is yours, with God or away from God. You can either love God or decide, I don't want a relationship with you. I don't want to love you. And so you will live through eternity as a spiritual being, not in a physical world necessarily. And so I want to, I wanted to highlight that for you because Paul, Paul, the apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians highlights this idea of a spiritual fight that we're in. I just shared with you just this this one place on earth that has such spiritual significance. Can I tell you there are many places and many encounters and many things that are happening in the spiritual. And so you are in a spiritual fight. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 to 24, read with me, finally my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God. In one of your versions, it may say the full armor of God, that you may be able to take your stand, right? Or to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of this dark age. Hmm. Again, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full or the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the day of evil. So I want to highlight for you because the Bible is indicating here that not if the day of evil comes, but when the day of evil comes. There's a big difference, is there not? So it's coming, it's coming. It's getting more and more significant. You say, "Well, what what the evil's getting greater. I believe the fight is intensifying." Why? Because the the king is coming on coming back. And so, it's go time. It's the it's the two-minute warning, so to speak, of the of the end of the game. It's the last 100 meters of the race, so to speak. It's time to move. And so, so the There are these spiritual forces at work. Now watch what what Paul says about how we're to prepare for them. I want you to see the symbolism. He says, therefore, stand, right? Or stand, therefore, having girded your waist with what? With truth. So in in your version, in the NIV, the way I learned it, it was with the belt of truth. So he's talking about a belt. Do you put this on like a belt? No, it's symbolizing something. It's not necessarily saying that if you're not wearing a belt today, you're not ready. No, he's saying that spiritually speaking, put truth on to gird you. And I can preach an entire message on what it means to be girded with truth, but I want you to see the symbolism here of, of a, he's using metaphoric language. To, to highlight a very spiritual truth. So belt of truth, watch this, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparedness of the gospel of peace. Then he says, uh, take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. But I want to highlight for you that there are actually seven things that the Holy Spirit wants you to to avail yourself of, to be ready for this spiritual walk, this spiritual fight, this spiritual life that you get to live, and the seventh one is prayer. Prayer. Watch, he highlights it for for the people there in um, in verse eighteen, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end because prayer puts your eyes on what is eternal and when you put your eyes on what is eternal then you get ready for what is coming and when you have eyes to see and ears to hear then you're ready and you're not going to be duped because the end times will be marked with deception deception you can read when Jesus is talking about the end times in Matthew 24, he uses the word deception like right out of the gate three times. Boom, 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 boom. He doesn't even get into the subject matter really and he's already warning them. Don't be deceived, don't be deceived, don't be deceived. What is he doing when he, when he, when he emphasizes something that often he's saying, hey, it's gonna be marked with deception. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Why? Because that will be deception, deception, delusion, deception, delusion. And so here... Paul is saying, if you want eyes to see what is happening, then you've got to pray and you've got to be equipped spiritually. So I want you to highlight a few things. The way you get equipped and what I want you to to know, I'm I'm going to kind of outline what what I'm going to lay out for you today. First, you're in a spiritual fight. You are a spiritual being and Jesus Christ came to this earth and he said, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and truth. A day is coming and has now come, said the Lord Jesus, that God will call for himself worshipers that worship in spirit and truth. So spiritual beings, we're in a spiritual fight. You need to get ready and be equipped. You need to be equipped. That means having eyes to see, ears to hear. So let me share a couple more things with you about some symbolism in God's word. That way, hopefully it can it can kind of bring to light what we're talking about here today. As we get closer to the end times, you're going to see the spiritual fight and the spiritual significance of these things, what increase. But many people won't see it because they're going to be deceived. They're going to be looking with physical eyes. But God says, I want you to have perception." I want you to have perception as Christians. And so in the very first book and the very last book, the Bible and Genesis and Revelations refers to Satan as the serpent. As the serpent. Now he's not talking so much physically, but spiritually here. Notice in the book of Genesis, it says, now the serpent was more cunning than any Beast of the field. Now I want you to highlight beasts of the field in your mind. Because we'll come back to that. But here. The Bible is indicating that Satan is the serpent. It confirms that. Endorses it. Or is a witness to it in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation chapter 12 verse 9. The Bible says. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil, and Satan. Now I want you to consider something with me. Who deceived the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now can I share with you that you're going to have Satan and his angels, and they're used like that throughout God's word. So if we go back to Genesis the serpent, now the serpent was more cunning than any of the other beasts of the field. Okay, so serpent doesn't rec- doesn't mean just snake, does it? It means what? It means the devil. He's speaking figuratively here. So serpent means the devil. We know that. I mean, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know when you read it, it's not just the snake, it's the devil that is what? Tempting Eve, right? So we have, watch, we have spiritual connotation or meaning. Serpent means devil. Beasts of the field mean beasts of the field? See, you can't, you can't mix and match. You can't say spiritual, physical. How about spiritual, spiritual? So the devil, the serpent, beasts of the field, go with me to Revelations. That serpent of old called the devil deceives the whole world was cast to the earth with his angels. So maybe you have serpent fallen angels, serpent, beast of the field, fallen angels. Ah, some of you go, whoa, what did you just do? And we're just keeping it congruent. Does that make sense? Okay, well keep, keep going with me. Because Jesus... Next some dots for us himself when he sends his 70 out. He sends 70 disciples out, and he asks, he gives them authority to go out and advance the kingdom, to proclaim the kingdom. They come back and watch what they say to him. They say, Lord, they're so happy, they're so overjoyed. They say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And I I love Jesus' response. He says, You ain't seen nothing. If you think this is awesome. I was there when I kicked Satan out of heaven. And they went, look, look, read. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. So he's talking spiritually, right? I saw Satan in heaven. He's talking about the spiritual realm. Then he goes to the physical. Like I want you to, like to crush a bug. I want you to kill some little slimy reptile. No, this is spiritual talk here. This is spiritual talk. Watch. Satan, serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. What is this? What he's been talking about, right? This is a summation statement that the spirits are subject to you. See what he's doing? He's saying, whether I tell you it's Satan and the spirits or whether I use figurative language, I want you to understand it's spiritual. It's not physical. What did Paul say? You don't battle against what? Flesh and blood. You battle against different spiritual forces. Pastor, show me all the spiritual forces. I've done that before. I'm not going to do that today. I'm gonna tell you there's more spiritual forces than you might know. And we encounter them daily. You say, okay, I'm freaking out. Why are you freaking out? God says, I give you authority over it. I want you to be the head, not the tail. I want you to be ab- above and not beneath. I g- greater is he, come on now, that is within you than he who is in the world. That means the, the Holy Spirit is within you. And that spirit of God, there is no one greater than. So you don't have to fear. I did not give you a spirit of fear. But a spirit of what? Love, power, and of a sound mind. And so you shall overcome the world. Because he is in you who has overcome already. Amen? And so I want you to connect these dots. Even in the book of Revelations, chapter 9, verse 13, you see this symbolism begin to come come together. Like for instance, out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. Now we know that's not physical, just physical. It has a spiritual uh, connotation. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. As the demonic forces have power, those plagues are going to have power. Let's keep reading. Now we know, we know that the Bible uses this symbolism, and we've picked this up since we were kids. The Bible uses the word shepherd to indicate what? Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate shepherd. If you have the U-verse app, today's verse of the day was what? I am the good shepherd. Okay, So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now is he speaking um, uh, physically? Like, is that to be taken at face value? Does he walk around like a shepherd tending sheep? No, he's 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 speaking there, what? Metaphorically, figuratively, symbolically. So he is a shepherd. Now we are the what? Sheep. Are we really sheep? Oh yeah, pastor, humans are pretty dumb. Well, I don't know about that. All I know is that it's figurative. So in the book of Ezekiel, You have here that God is, Jesus is the good shepherd, but then there's under shepherds, right? And those are the men and women of God that are in ministry, and they are assigned the care of the flock. And so the church and Israel is the flock, and God's leaders are the shepherds. So read with me. In Ezekiel 34 verse 2, the Bible says, Son of man, prophesy against the leaders... Of the church and the leaders of Israel. Prophesy against them. Thus says the Lord to the shepherds Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Now, yes, this is first to Israel. I realize this. But does it have something to say to the church? Of course it does. Now, watch what he says Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Have you noticed that as we get closer and the times get more significant, I share less stories and more Bible, more Bible. I don't understand how some pastors share such little Bible and so much fluff. Now, I don't know who they, who who are they? Well, sometimes I'll listen to a message and I'm like, are we going to get to God's word at any point? I may not be the most popular pastor, but one thing I will do is I will share God's word and feed you the word of God because listen to what the Bible says here. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Let's go, let's go to verse five. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. See, if you're not gonna be a shepherd, if the church has no leaders to really feed the word of God, then they're gonna go looking for, uh-oh, they're going to go look for feeding. And in that point, watch this. They become what? Pray for the beast of the field. So are we talking, watch, here we go again. We're talking spiritually. Shepherd is spiritual. Flock is spiritual. Word of God, food, spiritual. But beast of the field is physical? No, it's spiritual. The beasts of the field there mean what? You fall victim to doctrines of demons. You start to feed on the what? The wisdom of this world. And there's demonic forces there giving it out all day long. Notice how the doctrines of this world, they all come together at some point. You know where that point is? Mystery Babylon. Mystery Babylon is repackaged today in a cheap, ugly wrapping called New Ageism. But it's everywhere. It's a combination of the Eastern religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, all the other isms. They just come together and it's satanic. Some of you are going, oh, this dude's getting serious. It is serious. We're talking serious stuff here. Watch, keep reading with me. In Mark chapter one, verse 13, we're going back to Jesus now, New Testament. It it flows from old to new, watch this. And he was there in the wilderness, 40 days tempted by Satan and was with the beasts, the wild beasts. Okay, so again, spiritual, talking about Satan and then, oh, and there were some animals around. Let me ask you this, I've already shown you where Satan is, you have his cronies, you have his posse, you have his boys, you got his homies. Am I right? So the beasts of the field or the wild beasts here, they're not talking about just like some random animal. They're talking about, because watch, if you're Satan and you're going to go tempt the son of God, you going by yourself? You Come on guys, let's go do this. And so he goes and tries to tempt the Son of God and they're all there with him. Uh, Watch, keep reading with me because I'm going to connect one more dot for you. And in chapter four of Mark, the Bible says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell on the wayside. So here's a story. It's called a parable designed to highlight truths from the word of God. Can I tell you This whole thing is a parable, (laughs) a story designed to highlight truths that are spiritual, even though it may use physical terminology and physical symbology and physical what language, but it's highlighting something far beyond the physical. And so here you have a sower and he's throwing out seed, right? And it falls on four different types of soils and each one has its own uh, consequence, And the disciples cannot understand. They say to Jesus, we don't get it. And Jesus goes, okay, let me explain it to you. And so watch the explanation. So this one falls on hard soil, right? The pathway that has been walked on for generations. Hard soil cannot penetrate. Birds come down and steal the seed. The seed, he explains, is the word of God, right? It's being spread out everywhere. The, the soil represents what? The hearts of man. Humans. Hearts. So hard soil means it's been trampled on. Maybe your heart has been trampled on over and over and over. And now you're bitter. You're angry. You're upset. You don't forgive. And it's hard for that that, that seed to penetrate. Who are the birds? Watch. Satan comes immediately. Satan And his demonic forces fly down and they steal the seed of the living word of God. Ooh. So birds of the air, beasts of the field, they represent more than you think. Let me share with you one more. In the book of Deuteronomy, we're going back Old Testament now. The Bible spends a lot of Deuteronomy. Because we've been reading through it with my children. It says basically this. Here is what the Lord has asked of you. And this is the amazing promises you get. If you live according to God's word. It's a spiritual thing with physical consequences. Here is what God's word says you should not do. If you do these. you You will suffer physical and spiritual consequences. And so. Read this verse with me. Verse 25 and 26 from chapter 28. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies if you break his commandments. If you explicitly do what his word says not to do, you will be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven different ways. That means you will be completely defeated. Okay, watch this. And you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and no one shall frighten them away. Is he just speaking physically to the nation? No, he's telling them spiritually, I am your spiritual guard and you live in a very spiritual world and if you ignore the spiritual teaching of this word, you will reap spiritual consequences, not just physical. Not just physical. So some of you are going, Pastor, when are you going to encourage us? It's coming, but first you've got to have a clear crystal picture of what you're doing. That you're living in a world that's very, 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 very spiritual. Happens to have a physical component. And the enemy wants you to put all of your attention on the physical while he robs you blind in the spiritual. That's what he wants. And some of us read the Bible and we only pick up the physical. And God is saying, no, these symbols represent so much more. So much more. Okay, do you realize that in the book of Daniel, you have some more symbology? Are you kidding me? I've read some of Daniel. It's all about symbols and figurative language and whatnot and prophecy. Well, there's this one particular prophecy that shows up not only in Daniel, shows up in Daniel chapter 4, shows up in uh, Ezekiel 31, I believe, and also in Isaiah 6. So when it starts showing up like this, it also shows up again in Revelations. And when you start seeing that, you should pay attention, right? And go, Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is telling to Right? What are you saying? So here in the book of Daniel, you've got this tree. And I'll put the verses up here. Uh, well, let's just read them real quick. This was the vision that I had in my head while I laid on my bed. I was looking and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth. Its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. The heights reached the heavens. I really believe this is prophetic language saying the heavens. There's different heavens. Different dimensions. There's a dimension of the spiritual. And so it reaches into the spiritual. And it gains strength from the spiritual. And the spiritual influences it. And it influences the spiritual. They're working in congruence. Keep going with me. And it could be seen to the ends of the earth. Everywhere could see it, right? Its leaves were lovely. Its fruit abundant. And its food was for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. Okay, so the birds of the heavens, the birds of other dimensions? Of other... Do you know God is in the highest heaven? How many heavens are there? Read your Bible. I'm not going to tell you the answer. But you have other heavens. You go, it talking about, Was it talking? Okay, it's talking, watch this. And all flesh was fed from it. Why does it use the word flesh? Because it's talking about mystery Babylon. This is the king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And Babylon was formed by the Chaldeans. In demonology, in the study of demonology, you know that the Chaldeans through the book of Habakkuk, I wish I had time to share all of this, also have figurative representation or they figuratively represent demons, hordes that come in and take over dwelling places that don't belong to them. We see Jesus allude to this in a little bit. I'll share with you. But you have mystery Babylon that's being described here. And he's being shown to Nebuchadnezzar, you are the leader and this is Babylon, this great tree that feeds everyone's flesh. When you get fed in your flesh, in spiritual terms, is that a good thing? No, it's having them, it's having them be lustful and it's feeding their every lust because ultimately that's what the evil religions of this world do. They feed your lust. God says, I don't want to feed your lust. I want to sacrifice your lust. I want to give you, what does the Bible say? A new spirit, a new spirit. You will be a new man. That's what the Bible teaches. So I need you to stay with me on all of this because you've got beasts, you've got demons, you've got birds of heaven, and you've got flesh being. In the book of Isaiah, this same this same picture shows up. And it's in that awesome chapter, chapter six, when Isaiah sees the Lord. How many of you have ever read that where it says, behold, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and the train of his robe, what? Filled the temple. I fell flat on my face and I could barely see just a glimpse of him. And then an angel. Yeah, it talks about a spiritual angel. It gives the name for the angel, comes, grabs a coal from the altar, touches my lips. All of this is symbolic. And then this is where we pick it up, verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Meaning the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Then I said, Here I am, send me. And then the Lord said, I'm going to send you to a people that cannot hear. Why? Because they are so engrossed they're so engrossed in the worldly system that they cannot hear spiritually what you will tell them. They won't be able to see spiritually what you will tell them. And you will spend your life and, and, and preaching to them. And Isaiah, watch, flip the flip the deal. He says there at the verse 11, then I said, Lord, how long? That doesn't sound very fun, right? It's not fun preaching to people that don't understand But that's because they were what? So engrossed in the worldly system. See, Babylon. Well, first let me, let me answer the question. How long? Until I cut it down, said the Lord. And there will be a remnant that remains. The stump will remain. Read the very end of it. I'm going to read verse 13. But yet a tenth will be in it and will return and be for uh, consuming. And the oak tree, what? Will be cut down. But the stump will remain. This is the holy seed that's represented by the stump. You go, what is he talking about? It's all figurative for Israel. But how does this pertain to the church? The way it pertains to the church is this. Stay with me on this. Stay with me. You say, well, first talk about Israel. Okay, Israel would be in captivity for 70 years under Babylon in their evil system. Babylon would be removed by Cyrus the Great. Cyrus the Great would be allowed to return home. This is amazing the way Daniel and Isaiah work together and, and shared this amazing 150-year-old prophecy with Cyrus the Great. Cyrus the Great reads the scroll where he reads his name. God addressed it to him by name. Cyrus the Great lets God's people go back. Do you realize only 10% go back, which was prophesied by Daniel? Only 10% would go back. I wish I had time to unfold it all, but, but 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 this is the most important thing. God has always wanted his people to come out of Babylon. I don't want you to be like Babylon. You might be in the world, but Jesus said, I pray that you not be... Of the world. Don't be of the world. So this is the thing. By the time you get to the Old Testament. By the time. I mean excuse me. By the time you get to the New Testament. And you start seeing revelations. Talk about mystery Babylon. The great harlot. It's talking about this same rebellious, idolatry-based system that's still in the world. Even though the physical kingdom has been what brought down, the spiritual still remains. And you see it rising up in the last days. You see more and more talk about mysticism, about connecting with the spirits, about reincarnation, about former lives, and connecting with past relatives that have gone on and doing all this nonsense. It's all demonic. But but stay with me. And God has always been interested that his people be separate from that. You know why he calls Babylon in the book of Revelations chapter 18 the whore or the harlot? You go, oh my gosh, that's a bad word. Yeah, this is a serious thing. Because symbolically, To commit fornication or adultery, what it represents in the spiritual is not being faithful to God and, and worshiping false gods. That's what it always represents. And so God wants us to be different. This is where the encouragement comes in. You go, okay, pastor, man, I get it. No, no, I can, I can read from the book of Revelations, chapter two, watch this. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great has fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for what? Every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean hated bird. Are we talking about parrots here? Like if you have a parrot, you have a demon sitting in your house? no. We're talking about the spiritual and how this idolatry and this complete fascination with with being lukewarm is demonic. This is where they all come together. They all come together. So Jesus, in chapter 12, verse 43, says this. Suppose a man has unclean, an unclean spirit. And he gets rid of that unclean spirit. That unclean spirit, you can read it with me, goes throughout the dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, "Then he says, I'm going to return to my home from where I, what, came. And he'll go back to that place and he finds it, what? The Bible says, empty swept, and put in order. Then what does he do? Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than themselves, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first state. So shall it be with this wicked generation. So he's pointing to the end again. He's saying, when it gets closer and closer to my return, it's going to get More and more and more intense. So you go, well, how do you get rid of unclean spirits? Sometimes people through their own self-discipline and and, and self-will will will say, you know what? I'm going to clean things up. I'm going to join a group. I'm going to get some counseling. I'm going to change. I'm going to do all these things. And they get their life in order. But if you don't have something spiritual to fill it, it could be worse. No, Jesus says, Pastor, it will be worse. Do you see why? Let me connect some more dots for you. Jesus in the book of Revelation speaking to the church, warning them that mystery Babylon is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Because mystery Babylon is coming. And this is the church before they get raptured. Before the church is raptured, he's saying this to them. He's saying to the book in, in Revelations chapter 3, he's addressing the church of Laodicea. That's the lukewarm church. The lukewarm church who is constantly trying to what? Live halfway in and halfway out. Right? And does not perceive. They are blind, he says. Take eye salve, put it on your eyes and see that you are what? Blind, you are poor and you are wretched and you are in need of a savior. But in your mind, you think you're what? You think you're rich. Don't you see if you could see what I see? Uh Uh-oh, do you get the symbology here now? And listen to what he's saying. He's saying, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I'm outside the church. If you are halfway in Babylon and you're kind of loving this world and you're all about this world, then then you're missing the point because Jesus is not inside, he's outside. He's knocking, he's saying, hey, if any man hear my voice, hear my knock, all you got to do is open the door, I'll come in. And guess what? When Jesus comes into a life and a demon comes back and says, oh. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Do you hear what I'm saying? No, these are strong demonic spirits. But Jesus says, I have the record for the quickest knockout. Satan stepped to me and in an instant, in a fraction of a second, I saw him fall like lightning. That's how quick it was. I didn't even have to raise my hand. It was just Gone. Think about this with me for a second. So watch what he says in the book of Hebrews. Paul again says, don't give up meeting together, especially as some are in the habit of doing. But as you see the day approaching, it's right up here on the, on on the, on the, on the screen, as you see the day approaching and these spiritual things start intensifying, that's when you need to press in all the more. Press into the church, press into your word, press into the spirit by praying. Press in, watch, and encourage each other. Encourage each other. And so, this is where I finish. Oh man, I had the privilege of knowing and being friends with Dr. Rob Carmen, And I would dare say one of the most encouraging men I've ever met in my life. And it's so interesting because I haven't met a single person or heard a single person say, nah, I wasn't touched by him truly really believe the reason he touched people is because he saw the spiritual and he held it more important than the physical. It's all about the spiritual for him. I can't tell you how many times he called me during COVID and said, Chris, open up, Chris, open up your church, Chris. Don't let anything stop you. Make them throw you in jail, but let them stop you. If I had that church, I'd open it up right now. I'd shout it from the rooftops because people need Jesus more than ever right now. And he would say to me, he would say, people are so worried about their physical life. It's their spiritual. Don't you know this physical body is for a moment? I'm going say, well, what happened to him? Ms. Ginger said, his heart gave out. I don't know if he was battling cancer. He sent me a text that maybe he was. He was getting some treatment. But I know one of his favorite messages this past year was, stop dying and start living. Maybe God had already given him a view of something greater. And so he would encourage and he'd say, Oh, Chris, you're a dynamic preacher. You're an awesome, you got great leaders. I look at your church, oh, you're blessed. Oh, oh, man, you're blessed. I go, me? He'd leave and I'd feel like a million bucks. I'd feel like I could do anything You know, leap tall buildings in a single bound, right? Faster than a locomotive. I mean, it was awesome. It was more powerful than a locomotive, right? Something like that. But I mean, and I'll never forget when I told my children and, We sat around the table and we all wept and I thought, man, I thought it was just me and Melissa, but he impacted my children too. You know what's interesting? I don't know a lot about his grandchildren. Why? Because he was always talking about Jesus and not himself. He was always worried about me. How are your children doing? How's Evie? Oh, Evie. She is something. How's Raquel? Oh, man, if I had a church, I'd steal her from you. I'd steal her from you. She's an amazing worship leader. And then she goes, tell Christian to marry her. He's he's not all there if he doesn't marry her. (laughs) He better marry that girl or I'll have someone for her. He would snap like that, you know. Say, how's how's Rick and Christy? Are they still active? Yes. He was constantly asking about you guys. He's always about the kingdom, always about. He goes, oh, Chris, don't be afraid to die. I started living one day when I realized that Jesus is coming back and that the spiritual is real. And something snapped inside of me, snapped inside of me. And from that day on, you know, I found out they're killing Christians in Papua New Guinea. I want to go see what he's like. I want to go see. I want to get in it for my king. I want to build this kingdom. We're being given authority, he would say, to trample on what? Serpents and scorpions. Nothing can slow me down until the day God decides to call me home. I want to go to Papua New Guinea. I want to go to Botswana. I want to go. He found, he goes, you know what? He goes, I'm going to encourage your children to be sold. Watch what Evie said about him. Evie says, words cannot describe how truly an amazing man of God you were. Thank you for the incredible sermons you preached at our church. Thank you so much for encouraging me like no one else has ever done. Thank you for seeing gifts in me that I didn't even see in myself at the time. And you call them out of me. Why am I getting emotional? Because so many times we're so busy looking at the physical that we miss the amazing opportunity we have to encourage one another, especially as we see the day approaching. And as the fight gets more intense, you have authority to speak life. You have authority to speak life. Don't let the enemy steal it from you. Don't let him turn your heart against your church. Don't let him turn your heart against one another. Keep loving. I told him one time, I'm tired. I'm beat up. I'm quit worrying about that. Love your people. But they did this, who cares? <laughs> he did. He goes, I'm a horrible counselor, Chris. <laughs> he said, who cares? what <laughs> so he told me, who cares? Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. I'm like, okay. He goes, you know what we're gonna do, Chris? I said, who's we? <laughs> he goes, I'm I'm making a list. If God gives me strength, I'm making a list. This will be oh, for his glory. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. He goes, make a list of the most dangerous places, the 10 most dangerous places to share the gospel. And we're going. Who's we? Who is we? We're going. You and Andrew. And I'm like, me and Andrew. Andrew called me, he goes, yeah, Dr. Rob was inviting me to go to 10 dangerous places. I'm like, oh, shoot. Man, I miss him. Told the Lord the other day, God, what are you doing? I don't have many, many mentors. And it took me forever to get that one. And God said, now you don't have any. No, this is what he said. But remember his encouragement to you. Get out of your bubble. Get out of your cocoon. Get out there and mix it up with men of God. That's what he would tell me every time. Get out there and connect with men of God. Get out there and meet other pastors. Get out there and fellowship with other pastors. And then this is what Jesus said to me. I felt it in my heart. He said, quit being sad. You'll see him soon. It's coming quickly. And I could hear Dr. Rob's voice almost say, come on, Chris, get out there and do something for the kingdom. Get out there and do something for the kingdom. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I need Jesus in my heart. What did Jesus say? Open the door. I'll come in. So how do I do that? This is what you do. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are the son of God and you are my savior. I open up my life. I give you full reign, full control. You come in and rule and reign. Make me who you want me to be. I belong to you from this moment on in Jesus name. You shall be saved. And if you've given your life to Jesus, then we partake and we remember what he did for us on Calvary. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you, church.